here's my question for you. If you go to church and the band don't play Bon Jovi while a black man is getting with it on the front row, do you even have church? I mean, listen, there ain't no place like Action Church. Someone told me, they said, you're arrogant. You think Action Church is the only right church? I said, no, 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 no. I don't think it's right at all. I just said there's no place like Action Church. You can interpret that any way you want to interpret. I didn't say it was right. I didn't say it was wrong. I said, I just feel very confident in a day and time where every church looks the same and acts the same and smells the same. There ain't many churches like Action Church. Man, guys, we're getting with it today. Gary, I cannot believe we're talking about this subject today. Every time we talk about this subject, it's not been many times, but every time we talk about this subject, people get fired up. The inbox gets lit up. I see the subliminal comments that are directed towards us where people won't tag and send them. And people get real uncomfortable when you talk about sex in church. Let me make something very clear to you. This book is relevant to anything you're dealing with in life. It has the answer to any question you're asking. Every topic is relevant in the house of God. And maybe if the church taught more on the subjects nobody wants to talk about, there wouldn't be so much confusion on those topics. Everybody, let me make this very clear to you. You can stick your head in the sand, but everyone is talking about sex. Your friends are talking about sex. Your co-workers are talking about sex. Movies are talking about sex. TV commercials are talking about sex. Facebook is talking about sex. Instagram is talking about sex. Twitter is talking about sex. And I hate to burst your bubble, parents. Your teenage kids are talking about sex. Everyone's talking about sex except the church. And we wonder why there's so much confusion about sex. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it. Let me get real blunt with you today. Everyone's talking about it, but very few are happy with it. Did you hear that silence? That's the way it's going to be all morning, and I'm okay with that. There ain't no man here today going to be like a man when he's sitting next to his wife. And there ain't no wife going to a man when she's sitting next to her minute, I mean her husband. But deep inside, they're preaching and they're telling me to preach on. It seems like for so long, great sex has become this mythological being that everyone chases and everyone acts like their sex life is great. But we're in a day and time where people say, believe the numbers. So let's believe the numbers. Pulled up some research from the Barner Research Group this week. 67% of people, 67%. Say they don't get enough sex. The numbers don't lie. 78%, 78%. When I got a 78 in school, I was proud. 78% say their sex life lacks excitement and variety. 
I don't really understand this one, and it's going to make some of you uncomfortable, and it's going to make me uncomfortable to read it. But only 64% of men, and this is how the study said it, usually have an orgasm. Not sure how that works, men. Just realized that my 14-year-old daughter is on the front row. (laughs) Only 36%, 36% of women say they have a regular orgasm. And all the ladies are like, that's right. Stand close, preacher. 57, oh man, guys, this is bad for our egos. 57% of women admit that they fake their orgasm on a regular basis. You can tell her husband is not here today. Here's the deal. The numbers are the numbers. Maybe if the church would stop being so quiet about the subject of sex, get our head out of the sand, quit learning about sex from society, and start talking about sex, those numbers would change. That's why we're talking about sex in church. It's not to create a buzz. It's not to get people talking. We're talking about sex today because guess what? The Bible talks about sex. For all you dudes out there that think this is a boring book, you have never read this book, there's an entire book in the Bible devoted to the subject of sex between a man and a woman. Somebody say amen. Entire Old Testament book about the passionate love between Solomon and his wife. His new bride. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon knew. Happy wife, happy life. And if you want her happy, you better have great sex. You say, I can't believe you. There's more to life than sex. There is. But let me make this very clear to you. If you are in a relationship that has horrible sex, you will never have a great relationship. It is that vital. It is the icing that God puts on the cake of life. Let me tell you something. There wasn't two naked people running around one day who ran into each other and was like, oh my God, the parts fit. No, God created it that way. God created it not just to make babies. God created it for our enjoyment. There is no connection like the connection that happens when two people who are in love come together. And have great sex. The other side of that is there's no disconnect when two people come together and have bad sex, forced sex, routine sex. Nobody wants to talk about it today, but here's the reality of the situation. Some of you may never come back, but I know I'm hitting a nerve today. The Song of Solomon is a steamy book. It's a very detailed book, and I'm talking about a subject today that I understand brings a little bit of controversy, so I am going to overload you today with Scripture. So if you get mad today, take it up with God. Don't take it up on me. I didn't write the book. I'm just reading it. I will not apologize today. If your children leave here with lots of questions today, I will not apologize. I told you to put them in the children's area. I did. I told you last week. Did I not? In all fairness, did I not post it this week? So if your children in here, you think it's inappropriate, mom and dad, you look yourself in the mirror and say, you were inappropriate by having your children in here. 
Because today I believe we're going to save some relationships. There's no book in the Bible like the Song of Solomon. And there's no book in the Bible that's better to go through when discussing the subject of sex. I heard someone recently say the biggest cause of lack of sex in a marriage is wedding cake. Everybody says, the, the sex is great till you eat the cake and then something happens. The problem is that contradicts the Word of God and what God says about great sex. God created sex for two people in a loving relationship to enjoy from each other. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, verse 18, it says, May your fountain be blessed. There's a lot of imagery in the Bible, and I'm not going to get go down that detailed of the imagery, but may your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. Say man, gentlemen. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Now, this is written by Solomon, who the Song of Solomon is about. This is a book, Proverbs, where he's passing wisdom down to his son, and he wanted his son to know, hey, may you always be blessed by the one that you have a connection with. God says, may you ever be satisfied by that person. Here's the reality of the situation. God created sex for two people to enjoy each other. But sadly, the people... With the worst sex life so many times are those in a loving and committed relationship. God created sex. I'm a big fan of the creativity of God. He spoke everything into existence. He created everything. What a creative God and he created sex. Today we're going to change your sex life and we're going to get real practical and real simple. We're not going to beat around the bush. We're going to jump right into it. You want to have a great sex life? The first thing you've got to do is you get back to doing what you used to do. Get back to doing what you used to do. This is so key. This is one of the key components to a great sex life. Let me tell you why the large majority of relationships end up having bad sex lives. Because here's the deal. They didn't start having bad sex lives. Because if they were bad in the beginning, they'd have never taken the next step. Late, and I don't say amen, ladies, but you know what I'm talking about. If it was bad in the beginning, you're not staying with it. You get back to what you were doing. You quit doing what you used to do. I can guarantee you for the large majority of couples that are having issues in their marriage or issues in their relationship, The things that are happening in their relationship now were not happening in their relationship when they started. And if they were happening when they started, here's your sign. You thought you were going to change him. You thought you were going to change her. You thought they were in for a rude awakening. Surprise! You got just what you married. You didn't fall in love with each other by doing what you're doing now. You made each other a priority. You made time to be alone. You made time to pour into each other. You made time to talk. 
Probably for the large majority of you who were married, you made time, more time before you were married for sex than you do since you've been married. The only reason we would quit doing what we've been doing to get our spouse is if we didn't want to keep our spouse. As you read through the Song of Solomon, you'll see they were very intentional. Very intentional about keeping things alive and keeping things fresh. Listen to me, couples. Listen to me, young couples. Listen to me, couples that have been together for years. I'm going to give you some things that will change your life today, and they're going to be so common sense. But the problem is you're not doing them. They kept doing what they've been doing. The first thing they did was they dated each other. Date your mate. You dated her when you were trying to win her. You made time for her when you were trying to hook up with her. And then you got married. See, the problem is so many times as men, we're conquerors. We, <clears throat> we go into a relationship, we have to conquer that. Once we get married, we move on to the next half. We have to be providers. So in the process of being providers, we neglect the time. Men are in a losing situation what comes with that. If I give you too much time, I can't provide. If I give you all the time providing, I can't. It's, it's a balancing act. But men, you've got to step up to the plate and learn how to do that balancing act. They dated each other. Look what the Bible says. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, about chapter 2, verse 4. Let him lead me to the banquet hall. He's taking her to the public place to eat. His date. And let his banner over me be love. Let him take me out and let everyone know that he loves me. He's proud of me. He's showing me off. Never understood guys that get upset when they go out and someone else is checking out their wife. Do you want a wife to be so ugly no one else is looking at her? She's with you. Never forget Christine and I were one time. This guy came up and asked her dance. She pointed her ring finger and said, I'm sorry. And walked away to blame. I was like, you going to put up with that? I said, put up with what? He asked her to dance. And I said, and then she told him she was married. And he said, thank you, and walked away. He did what he was supposed to do. He didn't keep on. He didn't continue to harass. He walked away. Do I want the person I'm with to be so ugly that nobody wants to dance with them? Christine has deals with that situation. There's no women walking up wanting to dance with me. Ever. We have had a couple of guys. I just had that effect. It is what it is. Still got it. Let him lead me to the banquet hall. And let his banner over be me love. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples for I am faithful. You didn't understand the context of this. Back in this day, to be able to have fruit was a specialty. It was something that you got when you went out to eat. Maybe it's like a um, horrible comparison, but um, you go out and you get something fancy, you go out and you get lobster tail. That's not normally something you would make at the house. In this day and time, raisins and apples, this was for people who had saved up their money or who had the money to go somewhere nice. And she's feeling faint from the love and he's feeding her these things that no one else gets on a regular basis. Then it says, his left arm is under my head. Left arm, head, right arm embraces me. So I want you to picture this with me. His left arm is behind her head. His right arm embraces her. 
He has her in front of him. He is pulling him to her. He has taken her out to eat. He has put a banner over her saying, this is mine. Aren't I lucky? He's feeding her, and now he is either dancing with her or he is fixing to kiss her. He is proud of the person that he is with. He has made her a priority on date night. He's not on date night and sitting on his phone all night. He's not on date night, and every time he goes on date nights, he's inviting the friends to come hang out. Now, there's times to hang out with friends, and there's time for date night. There is no mention of children here. That's called date night. We have kids. Shut up. Because you find time to get rid of the kids when you want to do what you want to do. Got a baby said, we just have kids. I said, when you started dating her, she had three kids. Did y'all never, we went on dates every weekend. I said, so every weekend y'all went on dates without the kids? So you found someone to watch the kids? But now you're married, magically you can't do that? It's just not a priority anymore. He won, he got her. And in the process of getting her, he became complacent. And now he wants to know why she does not find him attractive and is sexually into him because he's quit doing the things he was doing in the beginning. Somebody say amen. He took her out. He's got her caressed. He's dancing with her. Now listen, Friday night we had a Gardens of the Jukebox show here and I saw some of you men dance. I don't know that you should be dancing, but you can caress her and put her in front of you. They're on a date. Remember what a date was? It's something two people in a relationship do. It doesn't involve friends. It doesn't involve kids. It involves two people who have each other's undivided attention. I can't stress this enough. You want to have a great sex life? Find time to date your mate. What you do isn't important. The time that's important is the time you spend together. It's not a money issue. If all you can afford is a McDonald's drive-thru and a walk in the park, you go through the McDonald's drive-thru. You drive through the park. If all you can afford, what's the, what's the song, baby? All you can afford is Applebee's, Bourbon Street steak, Oreo shake, two straws, whatever it is. It ain't about where you go and what you do. I was going to learn that dance and do it for you, but I didn't think the ladies could handle it. I didn't think the ladies could handle it. You don't have time, gear. You do have time. You do. You have time to watch all your favorite TV shows. You have time to play golf. And you have time to hunt. And you have time to play sports. And you got time to hang with the boys. And ladies, you got time to hang with the girls and do whatever it is women do. I don't know what y'all do. But you seem to stay busy. You do have time. We just don't have the money, but you do have the t- money. You do. Man, you got money for cigarettes, and you got money for beer. You got a $300 cell phone bill. Just be honest and say, it's not a priority to you anymore. But if it's not a priority to you anymore, don't get mad when someone else comes along and starts offering your spouse what you're not offering them. Oh, did I say that? 
Pack a picnic basket. Go on a date. You date each other. Quit using your children as an excuse. Because here's the problem with your children being the excuse. Children leave. You want to know the goal in raising children? For them to leave. I know that's hard for some of you because you got 35-year-old kids still living in your basement watching porn all day and playing video games, but that's the goal. Children leave, spouses stay. Do you know the leading number of people getting divorced now are people who have been married 25 years? You say, well, yeah, they got still. No, they didn't. At about the 25-year mark, all the kids are gone. They realize they no longer know the person they're married to anymore. We having fun yet today. Kids leave, spouses stay. You say, I can't get a babysitter. Give them some Benadryl. Put them in bed about 6.30. Go cook out in the backyard together. You got to get creative. We're going to talk about creativity in a minute. Hey, by the way, a babysitter's cheaper than a divorce lawyer. They dated each other. Now listen, guys, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Solomon takes it a whole other level. Not only did they date each other, they took trips together. My beloved spoke to me, this is the lady speaking, and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter has passed. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in our land. The fig trees form its early fruit and the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. He, look what he says. Arise, my darling. Go back to the first verse, verse 10, Xander. My, Arise, my darling, and come with me. I understand, again, they didn't have cars. They didn't have airplanes. They didn't have trains. They didn't have the ability to move around as we do. So when winter came during those months, they were kind of locked into the location. And he's saying, the winter's past. It's springtime now. Let's go away. Let's go to the mountains. Let's go see God's creation. Let's get away from this house for a little while. Again, it's not about how long you go. And I understand when you're starting out or maybe even later in life, we go through different situations and we can't afford. But you know what you can't afford to do? And, and, uh, I almost got political. Uh, I'm sorry. But listen, before, I, I get gas is expensive. But you can afford to ride at the Blue Ridge and walk around. You can afford to get away somewhere and just enjoy each other's time. Not only they, they, they went away and had trips together. See, Gary, I thought we were talking about how to have great sex. We are talking about how to have great sex. When you learn how to date your spouse, ladies, when you learn how to date your spouse, men, trust me, here's the problem. You think sex is just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That's just the, that's just the, the end of sex. Sex starts at dinner. Michelle, who preaching today? You or me? I know you're a widow and it's been a long time, baby. I know, but trust me. Trust me, we're going to get through this. <laughs> they took trips together. Hey, all joking aside, all joking aside, all joking aside. You know why she's passionate about this? Because it goes back to what I said. She's a widow. 
She remembers having someone with her and the blessings of that. She remembers what it was like to do life with someone. Don't wait till we're in that situation. Aren't you glad she gets to look back and say, man, I had these memories and I had these? Because you know Michelle are crazy. You know. You know they was taking trips together. Listen, listen. Now, Michelle, that's all you get. No more talking. All right, listen. They took trips together. He surprised her with a trip. Guys, when was the last time you surprised your spouse? He woke her from her sleep. Come on, baby. It's a beautiful house. Let's get out of the house today. Again, where you go isn't important. It's just the point that you go. So, so, they, so they dated each other. They took trips together. Guys, this is going to be the hardest part. I'm going to have to lay it out to you. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But you did this in the beginning. Trust me. They talked to each other. They communicated to each other. Do you remember back in the days, kids, there used to be these things called landlines. You say, what's a landline? I mean, your phone was tied to a cord to the land. You could only go where the cord stretched. You remember in high school talking to that girl, that guy, and you would just fall asleep on the phone talking to him. I just want to hear hear you sleep. You talked all the time. You couldn't wait. And then you got the pager. Like in my world, pager, you sent the one, two, three, you sent the code. One, two, three. I mean, Christine, you had a different code. I can't remember what it was. What was it? One, four, three. And then there was another number. If you was in the mood, you sent in. I ain't going to tell you what that one was. But like you, you, like even when you couldn't communicate, you was communicating through the pager. I had one in fans. Like my, my pager was black. It was like the see-through black. I had the nice stuff. Man, they talk to each other. Look what he said. This is her talking. Now, I'm going to explain the context of this because it might be confusing at first. She's talking to her husband about her insecurities here, and he's not getting angry. He's not getting judgmental. He's not talking down to her. She was dealing with some struggles, and she's talking. She says, dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kadar, like the tents curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, and they made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. This is awesome, and it's so easy to overlook. Here's the context of this. She's communicating with her man about some of her deepest insecurities. They had such a bond with each other, she could talk to him about anything and know that he would listen. You want great sex? Learn to listen. Learn to communicate back and forth with each other. You get to the point where the communication in the relationship just closes down. And when the communication closes down, the sex closes down. So you need to understand what was going on here. In this day and time, it was different than our day and time. Women didn't lay out in the sun and sunbathe until they were dark in their skin, until they were orange. A sign of beauty in this day was fair skin. Because if you had fair skin, it meant you didn't have to work out in the sun. It meant you didn't have to be a laborer. It it meant you were well enough off to work inside and out of the sun. And with this lady, she didn't have the luxury. 
She says that her family members were angry at her and they made her work in the vineyards. And because of working in the vineyards, her skin had become dark and it had become leathery. And people were staring at her and looking down on her because here she is married to Solomon, who at this time was either the prince or the king. And they're looking and saying, how did she end up with him? And she's feeling some way about it. She was insecure, but she was confident enough to talk to her man about this And he listened. Listen, we're about to show you in a minute. This dude was getting sex like nobody's business. Is it any wonder? He was priming the pump before the water came out. He was working it. The problem with some of us is we're a microwave society. He was crock-potting. Baby, let's go to dinner. Let's go trip. Going on, you know, you're feeling insecure about your weight. You're feeling insecure about this. Kids are driving you crazy. Man, talk to me. I'm your spouse. <laughs> your sex life didn't stop because you got married. Your sex life didn't stop because you got comfortable with each other. Your sex life stopped because you quit doing what you used to do. And you don't want to admit it. You moved on to the next project. Remember when you were dating your spouse? Remember the conversations you had about dreams and about what you wanted out of life and where you guys were headed? And now you just go through the motions of the day and you wonder why things have changed. (laughs) They dated each other, took trips together, they talked to each other. We'll step on some toes right here. They looked good for each other. They looked good for each other. Look what he says to her. Now, man, I don't suggest you use these compliments. These were relevant to this day and time. He said, I liken you, my darling, to a mare. He's comparing her to a horse, I know. Among Pharaoh's chariot horses. But he was comparing her at least to the grandest of the horses. He said, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of pearls. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. While the king, she, while the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrances. And now her talking. He's telling her how beautiful she was. And then she's saying, I was enticing him with my perfume. Man, she's working it. She's working it. She's got the necklaces on, the earrings on. Man, she's got the horse look going on. She's making sure she's... And again, now listen, listen, listen. you got to understand again the day and time. Smelling good in this day and time was not... There was no dial soap in the, in, in the shower. There was no speed stick or whatever you women put on or spray all over you or whatever it is. Okay? They worked. There was no A.C., they're, they're, they were sweaty, and what happens when you sweat if you've ever been around me? You, know, you stink. I'm a stinky sweater. But she was going through the work to look good for her man. <laughs> Can I tell you the biggest problem I see in relationships is we get so comfortable with each other, we no longer think we have to take care of ourselves for each other. 
they should just love them like, and they do love you. They should just love you like you are. But here's the deal. You ought to love yourself enough and love them enough to take care of yourself along the way. Ladies, when you were dating your man, we're getting back to what we used to do. If this offends you, I just don't care. Ladies, you would have never let your man pick you up in the day without your hair fixed, your best outfit on. You were working those clothes. You were ready for his eyes to look at you. Now all he sees you in is jogging pants and a ratty t-shirt every time he comes home. And that's okay, except, don't miss this, except every time you go off with the girls, you get dressed to the nines. Mm -hmm. Every time you get up and go to the office, you make sure you look good. So everyone gets your best, but the person you're with. And oh guys, you are not exempt from this. In the early days, you would have never sat around the house in your wife beater shirt, your boxers, and your dress socks, scratching yourself. You wouldn't have. I don't even think Christine knows this. When Christine moved in with me, I snuck off to Walmart to get some new PJs. Man, I, had to, like, I needed my stuff not to have holes in the crotch. I needed it somewhat match. Now the problem is eight years later, I'm still rocking the same PJs that I got eight years ago and there's holes in the crotch and the elastics all wore out because we quit doing what we used to do. Guys, when you first met her, you don't care if you were doubled over in pain. You weren't passing gas in front of her. You wouldn't. I sit back and I watch couples and I think, and then they wonder why there's no sex appeal. We're just comfortable with each other. I don't want to ever get so comfortable with my spouse that when she sees me trying to get romantic, all she thinks about is me passing gas in front of her or burping in her face. Now, you do what you want to do, but I guarantee you, your sex life is not what it could be. Truth hurts. She ain't your frat boy. She ain't your fishing buddy. She's your wife. And what you did to win her was woo her, date her, communicate with her. Guys, about as good as we can, you looked good for her. It's almost like we get married and we quit trying. I just think you're being superficial. Then call me superficial. Now, let me tell you something. There's nothing more attractive than coming home to your spouse and they got an old t-shirt on and some shorts and their hair pulled up and they ain't put their makeup on. I get it. There also ain't nothing more attractive than to come home and it's date night and she's dudded up and she got dressed up for you. I do it for myself. Well, that's why... You are pleasuring yourself instead of your spouse. They knew what was going on. They made time for each other. They looked good for each other. Man. Oh, I don't care when I passed gas. She didn't care when we first met. 
If she didn't care when you first met, then she settled for you. She's never seen a man open a door for her. She's never seen a man treat her with respect. And she settled because she probably had a mom and dad who were in a relationship like y'all have, and so she never had any examples. That hurts your feelings, man? I don't really care. The truth hurts sometimes. It's amazing what we settle for. Our co-workers see us more dressed up and more taken care of than our spouses do. Ladies, ladies, I don't care if you've been married 35 years, and I don't care if it only stays on for three seconds. Let me tell you something your husband likes. It's called lingerie. Go buy it every now and then. I ain't saying you got to put it on every night. God, I hope he is not watching this sermon. So I first church I ever worked at, I was the singles pastor. Pastor, him and his wife were like jackrabbits. He talked about on stage all the time, but he called wrestling. Me and, me and Mama were wrestling last night. One day I get a phone call, Gary, you got to get over to the par- parsonage where, when you had a church on the grounds and the pastor lived in it. you got to get to the parsonage. I trusted me. I was like, what's going on? God, please don't let him be watching this or his kids because his kids watch the sermon sometimes. I go there. I'm not even going to say his name, but my pastor had got home and his wife had wrapped herself in saran wrap, nothing else. And he had a heart attack when he walked through the door. And I had to get it all fixed before we could call the ambulance. Listen, that's the kind of heart attack I want to have. If I'm going to have a heart attack, I don't want to while I'm eating fried chicken. I want to come home and my wife is in saran wrap. My wife calls me the other day. I make some comment to her that is totally acceptable because I am married to her, except she didn't tell me I was on speakerphone and our kids were in the car. <laughs> Typical man. She's like, get the kid. I said, well, they need to know. I'm going to admit I was wrong. Guys, guys, did you know they make underwear that don't have holes in them and still have elastic? Did you know they make underwear that have like that looks somewhat decent? It's okay. But don't expect to pull on your tidy whities with the brown stain in the back and understand why she's not in the mood. Just being blunt, they got dressed up for each other. You got to get back to what you used to do. Anything in life worth having is worth working for. And a great sex life is worth working for. I am about to totally 100% take this verse out of context. See, the Bible verses in in the Bible, they have one literal interpretation. Okay? But they have many applications. In the book of Revelation... God is talking to the local churches and he talks to one. He says, I have something against you. Look what he says. I have this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. He's saying, you no longer love me like you used to love me. That's what we're guilty of. We do it with God. We do it with a new car. We do it with our new house. But we do it with our spouse and wonder why we just go through the motions. Marriage, a healthy... Let's eliminate marriage from that. A healthy relationship is work. If it was easy, everyone would do it. So you got to get back to doing what you used to do. Single people, I'm helping you out here, but you ought to take notes. 
Because you're going to meet that person and you're going to change their life. Now, the second thing we're going to do is not only we're going to get back to what you used to, we're going to realize that great sex starts before the bedroom. Great sex starts before the bedroom. It starts way... Guys, guys, I'm talking to you. Gary Lamb, king of learn this lesson. Great sex starts before you lay a hand on her. This man understood this. He courts her. He praises her. He encourages her. And he doesn't even lay a finger on her until about the 11th verse. Look what he says in 4.1. This guy is a pimp. How beautiful you are, my darling. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. I'm going to give you the context of this. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. No wonder he's the wisest man who ever lived. He knew that if he wanted to get lucky at night, he better start investing during the day. He better start laying the foundation during the day. He looked her into the eyes and he said, your eyes are like doves behind a veil. And I see those eyes. Mm. The way you look at me. I don't know that all these compliments would work today. He said, your hair is like a flock of goats. Not to be confused with a flock of seagulls. A flock of goats. But you understand the context here. The goats, the goats from Gilead were known to have the most beautiful, long black hair. They were known as the, the goats of royalty. They were beautiful goats. So he's telling her, man, your hair's long and it's black and it's beautiful. He was saying, your hair looks like you just got it done at the salon. Verse 2. It's a big deal back in the day now. He said, your teeth are like a flock of sheep, just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. He said, baby, you got all your teeth. Not one of them was long. Again, context. There was no crest toothpaste back in there. You weren't brushing your teeth five times a day. The teeth would begin to rot out. But hers were straight. And they were white like sheep. And where there was one on this side, there was one on the other side. Baby, you got all your teeth. You are my woman. Not one is missing. Not one tooth is dirty. They're so beautiful. They shine like they're wet. There weren't dentists everywhere, and this is a big deal. He was complimenting her, romancing her, building her up long before he ever touched her. He said, baby, that go hair and them sheep teeth. Mm. We'd be wise to learn this principle. Men, if the only time you tell your wife how beautiful she is is while you're in the middle of sex, she ain't listening to you. You're so beautiful. How are you so sexy? So hot. You look her in the face and say, baby. I'm trying to think of something red, Christine. I can't think of nothing. I don't know. Just listen. I, the stuff I'd say would be horrible. I can't say it here. Listen. You tell them how beautiful they are.
You're missing out on getting her in the mood. You're missing out on making deposits. And ladies, when was the last time you told your husband how handsome he was? Here's the deal about men too, ladies. Men and women are different. I know that's anti-society today. It really doesn't do anything for Christine to be like, you're good looking, I don't care, I'm a dude. But when my wife says, man, you're a hard worker. Man, I'm proud of you. Man, you're such a great dad. Thank you for what you do around here. It's brown chicken, brown cow then, baby. Listen, pouring verbally into each other. Each tooth has its twin. It'll be a cold day in hell before the woman I'm with goes a day where she doesn't hear that from me. When some other guy comes along and tells her those things, I want her to be able to ignore those things because she knows I've already told her all those things. The problem with some of your spouses are they're so starved for affirmation. The minute some idiot comes along and gives it to them, I don't know what to do. They ought to be stronger. They're only human. And the body needs what the body needs, and the body doesn't always need physicality. People miss that about affairs. Very few affairs are built around the physical. They're built around the spiritual, the emotional needs being met. If you don't meet the emotional needs, you'll never get the most out of the physical needs. Be a cold day before my spouse doesn't hear the words, but also doesn't see the actions put into place behind that. Guys, I'm about to change your life right here with something that I had never heard of in my life. And I know it's going to be a very hard concept. How many guys are out there? Guys, raise your hand. Men, raise your hand. Men, raise your hand. Listen, I'm about to rock your world, okay? I didn't know this was a thing. I'm going to give you another principle out there. It's very important. You're going to miss what I say because you're going to be so confused by this terminology like I was. But I found out years ago there's this thing called non-sexual touching. Anybody? I know. It's amazing. Non-sexual touching. It's an amazing concept. Maybe just sometimes while you're sitting there watching the TV, you put your hand in her hair and rub it a little bit. Come back and you touch her on the shoulder. You're driving down the road and you just put your hand on her leg. I know, listen, non-sexual touching. I'd never heard of this concept either. Okay? But I'm telling you, it's a game-changing concept. The only time you touch your spouse is when you want sex, then something's wrong. And let's get through this myth too. Let's just call the BS where the BS is. All men want are sex. Ladies are ten times more perverted than men ever thought about being. There will be a day that I drop a microphone in my wife's purse when her and y'all ladies, the ladies of Action Church, go to the winery and talk. She don't tell me what's discussed, but she'll let little tidbits. I'm like, y'all discussed what? Y'all did, huh? Listen, guys don't talk with other guys. We're just dudes. We grunt. Women be like talking about everything. So let's just eliminate that. So ladies, your man wants some touch every now and then. The older we get, sometimes there's got to be a little more touch to get to the 
Just being honest with you. We can't snap our fingers anymore. Now, guys, hit me up. I'll show you where you can order some blue pills that'll allow you to do that. But I'm telling you, it don't work that way. You got to put a little work in. Man. Non-sexual touching. Great sex starts long before the bedroom. Look what he, verse 3, he just keeps on weaning, got the sex yet. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil like the halves of a pomegranate. This dude is talking about the temples on her face. That's how pimp he is. Let me tell you who's a pimp. My son Luke. Christine, is he a pimp? Christine can go get her nails done. She can comb her hair a different way. Mom, get your nails done. Like, how'd you know that? They're a different color. They're a different shade of the same color, son. How did you notice that? We'll be out. Yeah, Mom, I like that gift. You got any money? Nope. I don't know. She, she can get her hair cut a half inch. Mom, you get your hair cut. He's a pimp. You better watch out. He's messing with your kids. He coming up with your daughter. She's 10. Listen, she's going to be in trouble. Now, listen, listen. Your lips are like scarlet and your temples behind. This is before Botox. He's saying you are flush. He's saying you were red with excitement. He is pouring into her. He ain't even touched her yet. You know, we do our version of saying something. Damn, baby, that's a dunker dunk. And sometimes you got to call him a Dunkin' Duck and slap it. Say amen, Bubba. But sometimes you got to be a little different. I don't know what that would be. Like, baby, I can't even think of nothing. Listen, I don't know. I'm going to get into it. So them, them curves, I know every curve of your body. I don't know. Listen, I'm, I ain't saying I'm the expert here, okay? I'm saying Solomon was. Now he has moved down. to. So he just started up here. He is now down to the neck. Your neck is like the Tower of David. She got a long neck. Built, I don't know what this means. Built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of war. So she's got a long necklace coming down, and they're stacked on top of each other. There's going to be no hickeys here. Okay? Man, we can relate to verse 5. Your breasts are like two fawns. Like two fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. He's saying, look at them twin boobs just hanging there. Just chilling. Just minding their own business. Like a gazelle eating grass. I didn't write this. But I'm glad it's there. He said, this guy is a pimp. Now he is complimenting her. He's about to tell her what he's going to do. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. He's still on the breast. Now they have moved from fawns to mountains and hills. Because she has put, remember she had the fragrance on? He said, I'm going to go there till the day breaks. We're going to be up all night. He's building excitement. She's like, oh, baby, we're going to do what? 
knowing he only going to last about 23 minutes, start to finish all of it, including the words. But he building it up. Baby, you, when you get home tonight, mm, mm, he ties it together with a little bit. He says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. No flaw. That means, man, when she asks you, does she look fat in that dress? No. Uh-uh. I'm gaining weight. No, you are not. You are beautiful. Just more to love. Okay? I mean, this dude is working it. Great sex starts before the bedroom. He's pumping her full of compliments. He's building her up. He's serving her needs. He's pouring into her emotionally. And do not miss this. If you don't do it, somebody else will. I say that in every wedding ceremony I do. If you don't do it, somebody else will. If you do do it, somebody else still might. But it won't have the same effect. Because their bowls are already getting filled by you. Mm. Now check this out. This is mind-boggling to me. He has done all these seven verses of start here down to the Bresses. We are staying there all day, camping out, building a tent. And he's not even expecting sex in return. He doesn't then push himself on her. He doesn't demand it because he's done something. He just pours into her. And look what happens. Look what happens. This is now her talking. She says, awake north wind and come south wind. I'm going to break this down in a minute. Some of you are going to get real uncomfortable. He, she says, blow on my garden. That its fragrance may spread everywhere. That its fragrance may spread everywhere. Now, first a minute ago, it was her garden. Now she says, let my beloved come into his garden. Now it's his garden. Let him come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Gentlemen, you just got a lesson in sex 101 from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. You pour into her physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally and her garden becomes your garden. And you get to go plowing in the garden. <laughs> Sometimes the Bible just preaches itself. 
third thing we're going to do. This is key. You're going to make your spouse your standard of beauty. This alone could save your marriage. This alone could save your sex life. One man, one woman, together. He didn't ask Adam, do you want someone short, tall, blonde, redhead, blonde, black-headed, black, white, big breast, small breast. He, he did not go to Adam and ask what Adam wanted. He gave Adam Eve, and Eve became Adam's standard of what was beautiful. Hmm. One of culture's biggest lies fueled by pornography, sinful lust, marketing, is that to have a standard of beauty outside of your spouse and the person you have entered into a relationship with is any way, shape, or form healthy. Matter of fact, for you to have a standard of beauty, period, is unhealthy. God doesn't give you a standard of beauty. He gives you a relationship. What kind of women are you into, Gary? The one I'm with? That's my standard of beauty. He likes blondes. Well, what's he doing with a brunette? No, he likes brunettes. You got a big-hipped brunette woman? Your standard of beauty damn well better it be big-hipped brunette woman. You got a blonde, is it called a pixie haircut? Small-boobed woman? And then guess what your standard of beauty is? It better be pixie cut blonde with small boobs. Do not ever call them grapes. I did, and it cost me $10,000. Say amen, baby. That ain't amen, that's just a yep. That means if your spouse or the person you're in a relationship with is tall... Your standard of beauty is tall. If she's curvy, you're into curvy. If he's muscular, you're into muscular. If he's dad bod, you ain't into muscular, you're into dad bod. They become your standard. When they're your standard, they become what you want. Let them become your standard of beauty. You will change your marriage and you will change your sex life when you make the person you're in a relationship with the only object of your passion. I had a guy come to me one time and he was struggling with talking with other women. We talked and we talked and we talked and he made a commitment not to do that anymore. And he didn't do that anymore. About three weeks later, his wife came to me and she said, something's going on with so-and-so. I said, what's going on with so-and-so? He wants sex every night. I want to look at him and be like, because of the first time in your marriage, you're the only object of his passion. And you're what he wants. 
Be careful what you pray for. You might just get it. Man. You've made your person you're in a relationship with your standard of beauty when no sexual gratification comes from anyone else but that person. You're into them and they're into you. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to lustfully look at a young woman. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I don't have to look at other women and get my bowls filled because I made a covenant with my eyes that only the person I'm in a relationship with gets my desires. When you turn your affection towards the person you're in a relationship with, it's impossible for it not to affect yourself. I don't need gratification through a cleavage shot. Somebody got you see her cleavage? I'm a grown man who has a great sex life. I don't need to see someone's cleavage. I'm not in middle school anymore. Grow up. Some of you guys get more excited about her walking by and her, what are they called? TikTok leggings. And you do the butt you get to see every day completely naked. Something's wrong with you. That two-second thing got you excited? Make your spouse your standard. Run off the road to see a woman jogging. Your spouse ought to be your standard. They were infatuated with each other. He said, uh, 115, how beautiful, my darling, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. But she said to him, how handsome you are, verse 16, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. And they're just pouring into each other. They got eyes for nobody else. My favorite thing, my wife would tell you, my, my favorite thing in the world, or one of my favorite things in the world, I love, love, Seeing brides on their wedding day. I mean, the ugliest women. I know some ugly women's weddings look beautiful, but I don't care about what they look like. My favorite thing is to watch them come through. Ever see me do it, I love to watch the husband. Just see her as she comes down. But we get comfortable over time and we no longer see them that way. And we quit pouring into them. We wonder why our sex life is what it is. I got to get done. I'm done. Last of all, and we're done. Man, we have poured into them. We've done what we used to do. We have realized that sex starts before the bedroom. We have made our spouse. Our spouse is the standard of beauty. Our relationship person. Now, we're going to get creative. Mm-hmm. the reason so many of your sex life is lacking is because your sex life is boring. It's not called the missionary position because missionaries invented it. It's not more blessed to God. I told you the pieces fit together because God created them. and They fit together in a lot of different areas, a lot of different positions. Try it every now and then. It'll change your life. 
Ten ways you know your sex life is boring. Number ten, if you think missionary position is the only way to have sex, you have a boring sex life. Number nine, if your idea of lingerie, ladies, is your Mickey Mouse nightgown, you have a boring sex life. Number eight, if your parents talk more about doing it than you do, Number seven, if you think your wife filing her nails during sex is normal. You have a boring sex life. Number six, if your only goal in sex is to break the national average two minutes and 26 seconds. Tell me again, we have good sex life. The national average, two minutes and 26 seconds. If sex is something you only do on your birthday and anniversary... That one hit close to home, didn't it? If your idea of foreplay is walking to the bedroom. If the act of sex can start and be finished during the commercial break. You have a boring sex life. If your idea of a hot evening means you had hot wings for dinner. You have a boring sex life. If you only have sex when there's nothing on TV, the kids are in bed, the stars are aligned perfectly, and you run out of reasons not to have sex, you might have a boring sex life. Get creative. Xander, I didn't put this verse in there, but can we go back to that verse, Song of Solomon, verse 4, where he's in the garden, hanging out, chilling? Verse 4, verse 16, it would have been during the point of, uh, realize it's sex, oh yeah, Xander... He said, awake, north wind, and come, south wind. I don't know how you interpret that. I interpret that he's up here and she's saying, awake, and now come south. Blow on my garden. She said, let's get creative and have some foreplay. I'm not going to get into details. There are kids here, and I'm not going to be that disrespectful. But she's saying, blow on my garden. If your wife tells you she doesn't like you blowing on her garden, it's because you don't know what you're doing. That its fragrance may spread everywhere. Fine line here, I don't want to be, but if the sheets are still dry when you get done, you haven't got creative. Let my beloved come to his garden and start tasting its choice fruits. Sex life is boring. Same old, same old. Man, let me tell you why your wife always gets in the same position every time. Because she knows it's going to let your fragrance spread quicker and she wants you done. Because you haven't poured into her. 
We haven't built her up. Be creative. Try new places. I don't mean I'll do this today where y'all end up in jail. I can't bail you all out. But on the way home, <laughs> pull over on the side of the road. Find a little spot in town. Do it in the kitchen. Our neighbors the other day told us they have sex on the back porch all the time, didn't they? I was like, what? Now I'm always looking at them. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see their porch. Get creative. Try something new. Wear something new. Have fun. God created it for you to enjoy. I get there's trauma that has happened to people in the past, and I understand that. I do. But like everything else in life, work through it. Go to counseling. Get help. Find someone you trust enough to be with. Give them apples and raisins and taste their fruit. and Do whatever. There's nothing more primal than sex. So get primal. All them horrible things you wanted to call them before, you get away with it during sex. Enjoy it. Great sex will change your life. I think it's that vital. I do. I think it's that vital. I don't think it's the answer to everything in our society, but I think it's close. If more great sex was happening, there'd be a whole lot less tension in the world. This doesn't work. I've tried it. I can't remember the comedian that says, when your wife starts fighting with you, you just get naked. You can't fight with a naked person. You can. But it's a lot harder. First thing he starts arguing. I'm not going to issue this challenge, but I heard a preacher do this one time. Because again, I get, I get there's baggage there. But I heard a preacher one time say, and, he, and they did an exhaustive study. It was a big mega church, and they had people sign up anonymously. And these people did a, then when their person they were with had a, committed to some sexual act for 30 days in a row. And the stats were overwhelming how much they said it changed their relationship. Now, again, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you need to put the work in. You can act like sex doesn't matter to you. It does. You're not fooling anybody. You said a guy in church, he's like, I haven't, me and my wife haven't had sex in two years, but I'm good. No, you're not. <laughs> you ain't. Probably why you got this problem that I know you have. No, that's not why I do it. Yeah, it is. It is. The icing God puts on the cake of life. Enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy it. I, I get I, I get. you were taught it was horrible and evil growing up. It's not. It is if you're 14. It is until you're 30. And you've been married five years. That only applies to Amber and Emily. doesn't apply to anybody else. And Lily, I forgot Lily was here. Fine, those three. No, any other kids that are in here, if they're girls. Doesn't apply to the boys, I'm just saying. 
I have a double standard. My wife says it all the time. Great sex will change your life. It literally will. I know we've had a lot of fun. We've joked around today and we've laughed. But the Bible talks about it and it needs to be talked about. Life is stressful. Life is frustrating. Day-to-day living is hard. It's the release that God gives us from that. Enjoy it. Let's pray.